0: Welcome to Fireside Nets with Spen and Pete, your number one Brooklyn Nets podcast for news reactions, breakdowns, rumors, and this corky dog named Homer. For those listening, I'm holding my dog because he was barking right before this episode and I didn't want him to ruin the podcast, but Pete, Homer says hello to everyone listening. Homer says hello, everyone watching. This is Homer and Pete, how are you doing on this fine Monday evening? I'm good. I'm a little tired. I thought we were going to record a little bit later.
1: So I took a little overtime at work, but uh money is good this time of year, they say. I don't know if you
0: agree. I think money's green every single month of the year. <laughs> so uh never a time it's greener. And I mean, shout out to the douchebag who's who's changing plans on you left and right. He's telling you 9 yeah, p.m. start times, and not, you know that's what what an asshole. Hate that guy. All right, <laughs> really, really fun episode we got today, Pete. I mm-hmm. want to start. With a quick rest in peace. So, RIP to the Nets' hopes and dreams of winning the big in season tournament. Despite finishing three and one in group play with victories over Chicago, Orlando, and Toronto, the big loss to the Celtics by 14 on November 10th and the ridiculous point differential Michigas prevented the Nets from advancing to the quarterfinals. And now they are stuck in the loser's bracket where they should dominate competition. So, Pete, overall, what did you think of the in-season tournament and how the Brooklyn Nets looked in group play? Uh, I'm not going to lie, Sven. I thought this this was going to be like some
1: horse-ish going into the season, but this was a lot of fun. And the Nets may not win an NBA championship, but I really thought they had a chance to advance and make a run in this kind of in-season tournament. Uh, I would do it again next year. I think it's a lot of fun. I definitely would like to see uh, things kind of a little bit more clear for fans. Like, it kind of sucked that the Nets kind of missed this tournament by what? By, like, what, eight points was the margin that they just missed it by? That's kind of sucky. There's got to be a little bit better
0: way to do this. But overall, A+. What do you think? I liked it. I thought I would hate it. I liked it. I think that the play was slightly more intense than regular just like a normal regular season game I felt that I felt both teams did not want to lose in almost every single in-season tournament game like there was that added element where hey it's an extra 500k on the line right like that's gonna drive guys to work a little harder to be a little sharper to to, to, to play a little bit smarter um, the one thing I absolutely fucking hated about it was the point differential For us to finish three and one in group play, lose one game. And because of how much we lost by, plus how much we beat other teams by, we don't get in. I have a huge problem with that. Basketball should not have anything to do with the points. The points should never be a tiebreaker. A win is a win. A a victory is a victory. And it should not come into account how many points you beat another team by. That that goes back to when you're a kid and your team's up eight points with with 30 seconds left, right? When there's no shot clock, when you're a nine-year-old kid, you're running out the clock. You're not trying to run up the score. That's how guys get hurt. That's how guys showboat. It's unnecessary, and I just think it's an added element that doesn't necessarily need to be there for these in-season tournament games to be more exciting. Did you get a playoff-type
1: feel for it? I kind of did, and I'm not going to lie. It made a game against the Orlando Magic in the middle of the season – a lot more fun, and I'm not gonna lie, I kind of paid attention to that last Toronto game, the last couple of baskets, because you know every basket counts. Maybe in a blowout, you don't pay attention as much, right? It kind of adds that little excitement to it. But uh once again, we I think we both agree they gotta change it up
0: with that with that uh point differential bullshit. I agree that yes, I do think that there was, if not a playoff intensity element to these games, something close to it. Um, maybe at the end of the year where, where teams are trying to, it, it had that sort of feeling to it, right? If a team is like a game or two out of the play-in and they have to win out to make the play-in, that's the type of intensity mm-hmm. that I took from this. Um, at the end of the Toronto game, and, and let's talk about that quickly so we don't have to cover that because that happened what, what seems like a millennium ago. Yeah, um, I I don't know. It just seemed kind of frantic to me look, the Nets had already won the game with like two minutes left. Right. But they're they're throwing up threes. They're trying to win by a certain amount. At the end of the day, they had to win by what? 22 or more to advance. They won by 15. Um, I I just didn't like, it was almost, it was almost an unnecessary game within a game at the end. And if you're Toronto, you also don't want to be shown up, you know, by the other team. So I, I just think that if you're Adam Silver, you're kind of asking for a dangerous outcome if, if you keep that point differential um, part of the in-season tournament uh, in there. So get rid of that. Courts were cool. The actual basketball was great. Uh, you know, you, you just cut that dead weight point differential, and I, I think you have I think you have a new uh, new tradition in the NBA. We could end it on this. I don't know if you want
1: to add anything more, but did it make extra money? Because I think that's the only thing that Adam Silver really cares about. And I think it did. They had the apparel, right? The shirts and stuff with the team logos. You're going to have a championship shirt. It's it's a big moneymaker.
0: And I think that's the bottom line for the NBA. I really do. I don't don't pay enough attention to um, an outlet like Sportico or Front Office Sports. They post a lot more business-oriented articles. Uh, I would love to know how much better... The in-season regular season games did, as opposed to like a normal Thursday night basketball game. I would like to know if those numbers were hmm. emphatically larger.
1: That's interesting. Uh, that's a good question. I wish I would have looked that up. I wish we had that question before. But I, I, if I had to take a real guess, I'm guessing they they got, I don't know, maybe at least twenty five percent more money in you know as compared to a regular season game because I'm considering the apparel. I'm considering the championship shirts. I'm considering, oh, you know what? Let's go to a regular season game or let's go to a in-season tournament group play game. I think that game's a lot more sexier.
0: I agree. I agree. I would I would love to know if the normal person wasn't watching Brooklyn and Toronto last Tuesday if because it was an in-season tournament game. Like, I'm sure Celtics fans watched that game, right? I'm sure other fans tuned in because of the, uh, the, the stakes, um, because of the high stakes. Uh, quick question for you. Is part of you happy that we lost and we're in the loser's bracket? Because now we get, what, two or three regular more, regular season games against pretty shitty competition, which is good for the Nets.
1: Uh, no, because I would have liked to see them make it to the championship, obviously. But uh, you make a very fair point that I did not think about. And listen, I'm not going to lie. These extra two days off, what a nice little gem for a team that's hurt. And kind of getting it together, there might be a bright side to this more than, than we think.
0: I don't know. I don't know. I'm uh, obviously, I wanted to win. And and you know, the guys on the team wanted to win. Wasn't crazy about when they started talking about what they do with the money. Like Dinwiddie was talking, oh, gal, you know, buy a new Bugatti or something. Mm-hmm. I wish they had it because that's like talking about the trophy, trophy before you get it. And they didn't even have a chance, even winning by 15, yeah, they didn't have right. a chance. Anyway, um, interesting, interesting stuff. Shout out to the Nets, though. 3-1 and one is, is not something to look at and, and be upset about. You did what you could. You lost to a really good Celtics team. It happens. You move on. Facts. Facts. All right. Let's talk about – we're going to talk about, Pete, maybe one of the best all-around game games of the season for the Brooklyn Nets, and then we're going to talk about one of the worst, most frustrating – all-around losses for the Brooklyn Nets. Let's start, though, with the win against the Magic, 129-101 on Saturday, coming off a loss to Charlotte. Orlando is on the second half of a back-to-back. And I'll tell you this, the Nets start to finish dominated this basketball game. Give me some some highlight stats that uh, that the audience w- would be interested in. Yeah, uh the Nets were up
1: 73-51 at the half. Bridges put up 42 points, 26 points in the first quarter. He wound up shooting 12 of 20 for the game, three blocks. Woody 22 points, 8 of 15. Cam Thomas 20 points but he shot 7 of 23, seven rebounds, five assists. CJ put up 14 points uh for the Magic. Uh what is I keep on getting this guy's name wrong. Pablo Vincent put up 19 points. I think um, the H is silent. They say right? So say, help me out here, bro. I think it's Paolo Banquero. 19 points, 10 rebounds, 8 assists. Uh, Wagner put up 20 points. He was 6 of 16. 7 rebounds, 5 assists. Then you got two guys off the bench. Cole Anthony, who I wish was a net. 20 points, 8 of 16. Mortis Wagner, 6 of 9, with 18 points. Did
0: you call him Mortis Wagner? Oh, it it is. You're right. Mort- yep. is it's, everyone calls Wagner. Him Mort- it's confusing. No. There's Mo Wagner, and then there's Franz Wagner. Uh, Franz is the younger, more talented brother, but I give I give the older brother credit. He was he's been really good for the Magic. Look, the Magic were on a nine-game win streak headed into that game against Brooklyn. The last team they lost to was
1: Brooklyn. the Brooklyn
0: Nets, and Pete, the Brooklyn Nets ended their streak at nine games, in part to you mentioned Mikhail Bridges brilliant performance. So I actually ended up catching this game later. I, I saw I was box score checking because I was out to dinner with my wife. I got back. I watched the second half of this game and and pretty much, you know, I saw the magic creep back into it in the third. And then I saw Brooklyn close it out in the fourth. The next morning I went back and I watched that first quarter because I wanted to see how McKill got his 26. Woo. What I was impressed with, it seemed like almost every single attempt, every drive to the basket, every shot was in the flow of the offense. Nothing nothing was forced. It was a clean 26, whether he was getting it from the line, whether he was getting it from in the paint. He had, I think, one or two uh, uh, shots from beyond the arc. He was fantastic. This is the Mikael Bridges that Nets fans have been clamoring for. Did it take him a minute to get here? Sure. Well, he's well, not sure. there yet. We don't know if he's there yet, bro, but it was a great game and a great quarter. Last Afternoon. eight games, I saw a stat. He's averaging around 25 point something points per game. Hmm. A little bit higher than his, his regular season average at 22. He might not have it all figured out yet, but we have seen the Mikael Bridges that we were hoping for more often recently than we did in the first seven to eight games of the season.
1: Definitely agree. hundred percent agree. And I don't know if you noticed, but most of these points were like were drives, and they were purposeful drives. It wasn't, you know, any bullshit. It, it, he looked nice, man. He was like you said. I think it was the most in flow we've seen him this year. And man, I, if we can get a couple games like that, we, we're going to be looking nice.
0: What was great about this game, right? Was was you mentioned Cam Thomas's off shooting performance? He still ended up with twenty. He's he's going to usually get there because he takes a lot of shots, but. We withstood a, a, an extremely mediocre game from Cam Thomas. 14 points from Cam Johnson. You know, Claxton only had six in this game in 24 minutes, and Dennis Smith Jr. When we're going to get into DSJ because he was great. He had 10 off the bench. Nobody else had more than more than eight off the bench. But Mikhail's 42 was able to put you in a position where you really did not have to worry about the outcome of this game. And let and, me um, set um,
1: you off. Let me get yeah. one second. I'm sorry because we're in the Bridges talk right now. So I want to stay in the Bridges last, talk. Yep. Last five games, 25 points a game, 50% from the field, 50% from three, six rebounds, four assists, a steal, and
0: just under a block. Beautiful. I like that he's taking less threes, too. He only took six threes in this game, and he hit three of them. Ooh. Um, the one play that stands out to me was uh, the Euro step, I think, to end the first quarter, which yeah, was, was awesome. Nice. Where. As time expiring, I mean, his his footwork in the lane was impeccable in this one. And, Pete, we, we saw a new celebration from Mikhail Bridges. So he did this thing with his fingers. For those watching, it kind of looks like I'm either whispering something or he was typing something. Shout out to uh, recurring guest Mike Biseglia. He tweeted that maybe it's Mikhail coming for people on Nets Twitter, people <laughs> who were doubting him. Could be. Could be. The name of this episode is Breaking the Bridges Code. So, Pete, I'm going to turn to you. What do you think Mikhail Bridges' new celebration means? I have no idea.
1: I absolutely have no idea, but I love the whole idea of Twitter fingers and whatnot. We'll I have to ask him. Didn't somebody ask him? I feel like a reporter may have asked him. I might be wrong. There,
0: there wasn't a straight answer. They absolutely asked him, and I think they there might have come. asked DSJ. They asked one other player. And nobody would would talk about it.
1: I kind of like it, though. It's kind of like a secret code like you like the episode title. I I, I don't know. I kind of like it, I guess. Kind of looks a little weird. I'm not going to lie, but uh, <laughs> I kind of like it. I kind of like the whole secrecy of it.
0: I like it, man. I, I think and here's what I think. I think he's he's referring to everybody whispering and murmuring about his play this year. But he stands on business. So what he did against the magic, he stood on business. That's it, right? And you saw, Ooh. you know, outside of that celebration, he was talking some shit. Love he it. can't guard me. He can't guard me. You heard that a lot. I think um uh I when when I say that, I think of Jeff Teague telling the story of Jimmy Butler at practice. You ever hear that? It was the uh, I think you might have froze. Any anyway, um that was awesome to see him going off, the celebration, the, the shit talk to Franz Wagner. Uh, just just a ridiculous performance by Mikhail. Um, and then in that third quarter, as as Pete is still frozen, in that third quarter, the Nets started a real little bit, but Spencer Dinwiddie was right there. He had a huge third quarter, some big shots there. really solid game for for Dinwiddie. Uh, 8 of 15 from the field, 22 points, as Pete alluded to. Um, and then Dennis Smith Jr. off the bench, he was the spark plug. No Lonnie Walker for this game, was dealing with an injury. No Dorian Finney-Smith. Uh, Royce, did not he, he had took three shots in 26 minutes. Daron Sharp, five points, six rebounds. He was a plus 21 in, in 24 minutes. But Dennis Smith Jr. in that third quarter had some big moments. 10 points, 11 rebounds off the bench for Dennis Smith Jr. Dennis Smith Jr., for those listening, watching, he's 6'3". He's one of the shorter guys in the league on the team. Uh, for him to grab 11 boards, 6 assists, 10, re- uh, 10 points. They asked him after the game, talk to us about your performance. His answer, I'm a savage. That was it. I love that. How the fuck can you not love that? That's a, that's a perfect answer. Guy's been hurt. He's been out of the lineup. He comes in. He gives you a stellar performance like that. He is a goddamn savage. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, DSJ. Talk your shit. Overall, great win by the Nets against a Magic team who has competed in the East. They, you know, they have a better record than the Nets. They are the second place team right now in 14 and six. They're tied with the Milwaukee Bucks to, uh, you know, a, a game and a half better than the Sixers. Um, and they're right behind the Celtics with uh, two more losses and one less win. But we, we've dominated Orlando this year. Hasn't hasn't been close. Um, while we wait for Pete, we're going to move on to the biggest disappointment of the season for the Brooklyn Nets. That was the loss against the Charlotte Hornets. 129-128. This was the most frustrating loss of the season by far. Why, you ask? No LaMelo ball for Charlotte. No Brandon Miller. They are reeling. They're one of the worst teams in basketball. And what is one of the worst things you can do as an organization when you play a team like this is underestimate them, number one, and number two, not make them feel you. And from the moment this game started, Charlotte did not feel the Nets on defense at all. And that lasted up until this game ended. Charlotte put up 31 points in the first quarter to the Nets 37. They put up 42 points in the second quarter to the Nets 34. They were outscored by Brooklyn 35-29 to in the third. And they outscored Brooklyn 27-22 to in the fourth. Ladies and gentlemen, this game should not have been close. This should have been a blowout. This was a chance for the Nets at the time to go 10-8, and eight, two games above five hundred. Feel good heading into that matchup with Orlando. You lose this game by one point. You get absolutely cooked by Terry Rozier. Cooked. 37 points, 13 assists for, for, for Scary Terry. Could not be stopped. Absolutely could not be stopped. And we're going to bring Pete back in. Pete, welcome back. Lost Wi-Fi, oh. it happens. You're that you're a podcast happen. warrior. That's that's all I got to say there. We're on the the worst loss of the season, the Hornets yeah. game. I was just getting into how Terry Rozier decimated our entire team. After him, it was uh, Gordon Hayward and Mikael Bridges. I'm sorry, not Mikael Bridges, the other Bridges, Miles Bridges. Bridges had Miles. 23 yeah. points for Charlotte. Hayward had 22 points, uh, and my dumbass sat Hayward in fantasy, so yes. it hurt. It hurt equally as bad to see him score for, like, fantasy purposes and for Nets purposes. Um, just just disappointing effort collectively, Pete. Focus wasn't there. You never made Charlotte feel you at all on defense. Uh, just a soft game from the Nets, and, and I was a little bit upset with Jacques Vaughn in this one. He never seemed to make any adjustments defensively. It just seemed like Charlotte got whenever they wanted, whenever they wanted, whether it was the three point line in the paint, Terry Rozier, you know, in the mid range. Um, The the Nets defense was non existent. They let Charlotte get hot in the second quarter and they never did anything to cool them off. That was my takeaway from this game.
1: Yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. I'll be very honest with you. I did not check out this game. I was out with my girlfriend at the time. But what I did break down was the last possession. I don't know if you talked about it or whatnot, or, you know, the game ending sequence from Cam Johnson. There was a lot going on there. And uh, listen, they had a couple options. Woody could have done the lob, which a lot of people were, you know, ridiculing him for. Oh, if he would have thrown it up, it would have gone to the stands. You had Cam Johnson for the three options. What would you have done? What was the outcome that you would have liked to see? Even if it's Cam Johnson taking that wide open shot.
0: I would have called timeout the second we got the rebound. Uh, You know what? I agree. Here's what I'll say, Pete. When you have a team with a clear-cut number one, like Luka Doncic, like Trey Young, like Giannis, like Dame Lillard, like LeBron James, I'm okay not calling a timeout in those moments. Give the ball to your superstars. Let them cook. This was Cam Thomas's first game back from injury. So he was not in – Cam Thomas.
1: Cam Johnson took the last shot.
0: No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, am Oh, saying I get Cam what you're Thomas, saying. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. He was, he was not in the game. The game. In he the was last on the bench. Three he minutes. Call the timeout to bring him well, in. Well, I get it. But even, even so, otherwise, he's someone who I say take the ball, go make a play. If mm. you're gonna pick a second guy, Dinwiddie would be that second guy, tied with Bridges. But that wasn't clear in that moment. So what happens is, I, I think it was. Was it Claxton or DFS? Someone caught the rebound. They gave it to Dinwiddie. Dinwiddie started pushing the ball up. He looked to his right. He saw Cam Johnson was right there. He passed in the ball. Johnson misses the three. Game over. You lose by one. I had, well, at the time, I was I was pretty upset with the shot selection, whatever. Mm-hmm. Looking back on it now, I think Dinwiddie made the right play. You, you know, there's not a wrong option on the on the three, two fast break. Like you got a good look. Cam Johnson was wide open, but you did not have someone on the court like a Cam Thomas, like a Luka Donch. It's like Cam Thomas is a top 20 scorer in the league when he's healthy, right? 20, 20, top 25 score. So I would have preferred Vaughn to call a timeout, get a set play for Mikhail, get a set play for Cam Johnson. I don't care what it is, but you've been reeling all night. The Charlotte team has kept you on your toes. That's a moment where Vaughn has to step up. And say, you know what? Let me, let me drop a play. Let me at least get my team a good look. And I, I just think a team like Brooklyn that has so many guys that they kind of are okay. Like there's four to five guys who, if they took the last shot, you would just shrug and be like, all right, Royce O'Neal, Lonnie Walker, they want to chuck it up. Fine. Spence, Cam Thomas, Cam Johnson, McHale. I just gave you six guys that, if they took the last shot, you'd be okay with it. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's how I feel about that. Now that I've had time to like think about it. I got two points for this,
1: okay? We've seen the Nets in this situation before not calling the timeout. Usually does end bad. I don't know too many times that it's worked out for them. So there is a little bit, you know, a, a little memory of uh, negative, negative memories, I guess you could say, from all this. But if you got a set play, inbounding the ball, catching and shooting, do you think – Cam Johnson, whoever, would be as open as Cam Johnson was in that moment? I don't think so.
0: I really don't. I I think there's two ways to look at it. I think that the first way is Dinwiddie is a smart player. He has a high basketball IQ, so I'm okay with his decision-making in that moment. If If he pulls up and misses a three, I'm kind of okay with that. Um, having said that, I do think that calling a timeout and yeah, you run a set play, you, you set balls. Like, I don't think that Charlotte is a great defensive team. They let up 128 points in this game, right? Like getting a guy off a set play. I I absolutely think you, you can get him open. Now, Mikhail was not great in this one. He was nine of 22 from the field. He did have 22 Mm -hmm. points, but statistically that's not a great game. Uh, Cam Johnson did not shoot the ball well. You know, so for me, and Cam Thomas, you know, actually in, in, in 25 minutes, Cam Thomas put up 26 points. He, he was the best player on the court. They just they couldn't play him down the stretch. I, I would have preferred that that set play. I, I really think you're able to really? get your best look off that. Yeah, why not? Why not? When, Like you said, historically, when does this team thrive in chaos? Oh, no. Yeah, no.
1: That, see, that part I agree with. But the thing is, I don't think you're going to get a more open shot if there is a Cam Thomas in the game. You know he's probably gonna get doubled. You know they're watching him. You know they're gonna be watching bridges. So you know, uh, I, I look at that and it's like, man, you know what? That was a nice, that was a nice little set shot there. I would take, you know, by the way, Cam Cam Johnson is clutch. He's hit playoff game winners. He has. You have to trust him. You have to I see I I not
0: as a net. Oh, not as a net, not yet. Look, you made okay. a good point. You, you made a really good point earlier. If you call timeout and mm-hmm. throw in Cam Thomas right there, how does that hurt you? Yes, he was on a minutes restriction. If he plays six more minutes, the guy's not breaking his left ankle. I agree with that. You know with what that. I'm saying? So so that so that, mm-hmm. that was something I didn't even think about when I when I was talking about the timeout. Um, I don't love – I'm on record. I don't love Cam Johnson's shot selection. If there's anybody's shot selection that frustrates me more on this team – I, I I can't think of it right now, but he for, for me, he his shot selection is that of Dorian Finney-Smith. He plays like a three and D guy. I personally think he's more talented than that. I think he does have a little bit of a mid mid-range game to his skill set. I think he can take guys off the dribble, but it, you know, six of eighteen, nine of those eighteen shots are from three. I don't I don't love those numbers. Take take a few more like. Mikhail two of five from three his three point pointer po- attempts are down he's been really focusing on being aggressive getting to the rack and if you do that your three is gonna open up I get bothered when guys try to use their three point ball to open up their two point game that that just isn't it's not effective for me and and when when they're cold, like Cam Johnson is better, he, he's a better player than six of eighteen from the field and missing that shot to win the game. And you did not need a three. That's the other thing. You're down one point. Okay, you take it aggressively, you go to the rack, you get fouled, you're shooting free
1: throws. You think they're gonna call a foul at the end of the game, though? Come on, Sven.
0: Yes, yes, Pete. You what know, we, no like we haven't seen. What, we have?
1: what have we seen? It's so rare. They did never pull that. The... So at the end of the last second of the game. But but timeout, that's not what I said. That's not foul. what I said.
0: If you if oh, you go okay. to the rack, you put yourself in a in a better position to get fouled. That's what I'm saying. You, okay. you shooting a three bails out the defense. Yes, he was wide open, but Charlotte's D did not have to do anything in that final possession. Do you agree? They didn't force us into that shot. Spencer Dinwiddie made a basketball play. He found an open guy and, and Cam popped it. But it's not like Charlotte's defense dictated that play. I think they did. He's a
1: four, you know, Cam Johnson is shooting 40% from catch and shoot. He's a net shooter. That was his that's one of his shots. If it was in the corner, they would really be his shot. But if I had to pick another type of shot for him, I'm not mad at that. I'm I'm I thought that was the best basketball play. But you know what? Like you said, it should have been a timeout. But if you don't call the timeout, that's the next best thing.
0: That's all right. I, I, I think I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I just you don't you can't lose to a team like that in that situation. But yeah, I agree. I agree. But you know what? They responded the right way against Orlando. And uh, by the way, I'm I'm nominating this game against Charlotte right now. This was my most likely to throw something at my TV and break it game. Wow. Yeah. I'm pulling that out, and I want you to keep that in your back pocket because I know you were out with your girl. You did not get a chance to watch this game live, but in the future, you only get one nomination a year. So remember, you have uh, most likely to throw something at my TV nomination in your back pocket. I do it every almost
1: every game. I feel like doing it.
0: One has to be the game. One
1: has. Okay, I'm going to keep that and, in and mind. You know so what? Got you
0: know thing. what? Okay. That, and we also have this in our back pocket sure thing win. So we can predict Ooh. a game. We have one of those and we have one most likely to throw something at the TV and, and break it. I like that. Okay. I like that. All right. The win against Orlando. And I was, I was saying this uh, earlier in the podcast, Pete, as I was, I was wrapping up and you lost wifi. Mm-hmm. It, it, it kind of lends to the idea that the East, cause Orlando's number two in the East right now. They're 14 and six, same record as the bucks slightly behind Boston is the East. A little bit more wide open than we thought it was. And does this bode well for Marks and the Nets to potentially contend for a title this year? I don't think it's completely out of the question. You know what, my biggest issue
1: is? We, of course, the Nets have to play in the toughest fucking division in the East. You have at least two teams that could make the Eastern Conference Finals almost pretty easily in the Sixers and Celtics. Unfortunately, it looks like the Knicks can contend and it looks like they are gonna be a top five seed. I could see them being a top four seed. You don't think so?
0: Eh, I kind of think so. I'm just shitting on the Knicks.
1: Unfortunately. I think I, I, it's not crazy to me. Listen, I'm not someone that's gonna say, yo, make that trade, get the star player. This is the year. I'm more of the you know the long-term thinker type of guy. But in my mind it doesn't seem that crazy to me that if they were – I don't know who this would be, right? Adding in a star player, a true number one to this lineup could make this team a top four seed. Everyone stays healthy, keep in mind this is what I'm talking about, right? Adding a top player, and I really think they could win in the East. I feel like, a, like such a homer right now, but I really feel this way. I really do.
0: The problem is there isn't a top player available because I'm looking at the bottom go. of each conference, right? And Ooh. you're looking at the bottom of the East. You, like the Hornets don't have anyone worthwhile. The Wizards, unless you get Kuzma, but he's no, on He's, not, he's, he's not on someone that. you want. And then Detroit's too young. There's no one you, you'd want to really make a move for there unless you want to get Bogdanovich. And I don't think he moves the needle for you. And then you go to the West. Mm-hmm. The last four teams in the West are the Jazz, the Blazers, the Grizzlies, the Spurs. I mean, if the Grizzlies continue to suck when Jock ja comes back, like who do you look at there, right? Like Desmond Baines on a ridiculous contract. You're not going to trade for him. Oh, um, right. I like him too, but again, he, he's just getting paid too much money. Portland doesn't really have anyone you're interested in. And then San Antonio, if you can acquire – Devin Vassell, he'd be someone, but he's. I think he's getting paid some some decent money too by San Antonio. So I don't know how that works out uh, contractually. And he also might be in San Antonio's plans in uh, on building a, a franchise around you know Web and Yama and Vassell and and Sohan. Um, I got somebody. Who, Ingram. Well, they're
1: right now they're they're a playoff team. They right now they're the AC. They're at eleven and ten. You got Clippers one, one, uh, one game behind them. Rockets are eight and nine. Warriors are nine and eleven. They got you know. I could see them falling out an injury here and there. I listen. I don't know what type of deal that would even look like, but uh, man, add Ingram to this team as the number one. These young, can grow with the team. Mm.
0: I don't. I don't I'll hate it. I don't hate it. I'm thinking if the Clippers fell off. We can acquire Paul George.
1: Oh, stop it. No, it's too old. Stop it. They,
0: they should go into a rebuild, man. The Clippers are just,
1: they're ass. Yo, I feel bad for them. I always, you know why I root for them? Man, I'm going to be honest. This is kind of shitty maybe, but I feel like we are them and they they are us. Like the, spa, the whole Spider-Man meme, because Lakers, Knicks sort of thing, kind of little brother syndrome. I, I, I root for the Clippers a lot. I want them to beat the Lakers. Fuck the Lakers.
0: They are us with way more star power.
1: <laughs> I mean, as the little brother in, in you know, in a big city, that's what I mean. But I get but what yeah. you're saying.
0: Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Look, I, I I think that Nets fans should be extremely pleased with what we've been able to do in, in these last several weeks. Uh, we've lost, we am sorry, we've won four out of our last five games. Um, Mikhail Bridges is playing better basketball than when he started. Cam Thomas is now back. The only guy that we're missing is someone we're not going to mention on this podcast. Low-hanging fruit. Yes. He Full had an shit. epidural. We're not talking about him until he gets back. I'm making that a thing right now. I don't believe you
1: that you can do that, but okay. I believe he will come up eventually, but I, it's nice to think about,
0: though. We don't need him right now. As, as much as, you know, stands of that player want to talk about how much we need him, we do four out of five speaks for itself it just does but, man um just that next, but just that contract hit spend man imagine uh, if we could have use that money just somewhere else sure oh. and maybe we still can but I don't know. No, right absolutely. now it's it's not happening wednesday december 6th we have the anticipated rematch in atlanta with the hawks we got to avenge our our overtime loss to them right please please god please, please. i'm not saying i'm not going to pull out my must win card Oh, stop but, it. But every single chance the Nets have had to sort of get a few games over 500, they've lost so far. So I'd like to win this game. You're two games above 500, playing Washington at home on Friday, and then you have three days rest until you, you have a long West Coast road trip in Sacramento, Phoenix, Denver, Golden State, and Utah. If you right. can win these next two games, three games over 500, with those five Western Conference road games on the schedule, you can go two and three on that road trip and be okay. I agree. I agree. Uh, I just
1: want everyone to get healthy as far as CJ and Clax. And uh, is Lonnie hurt, by the way?
0: Yeah. Um, Lonnie need to get healthy. He did not play in the Orlando game or the Charlotte game, I believe. Um, I think he I, played I, one of
1: those games, but he played like 15 minutes or something like that. I could be wrong. Uh, so that might, have been the Char- wrong.
0: that might have been the Charlotte game. I'm trying to see. Um, he did not play in Orlando. And we're trying to pull. He played game? in Toronto, the Toronto
1: game. He played 22 minutes.
0: Yes, that was the last time he played, correct?
1: He might I think so. I Here might, we go. might I, I have the better. Charlotte.
0: Oh no, he he played in Charlotte. He had he had 7 points in 14 minutes. I'm sorry. Hey, he that was 15, in Charlotte. There you
1: go. Okay. Okay.
0: There you go. I was incorrect. Yeah, get get healthy everyone including the guy we're, we're not mentioning but I th- I think now that Cam Thomas is back, Pete Nets fans have a lot to be excited about over these yeah, next few games. You have a legitimate 1-2 scoring punch in in Cam Thomas and Mikhail Bridges. If Cam Johnson can pick it up a little bit, if Dinwiddie can continue to be aggressive, Dennis Smith Jr. is now healthy. He's shown you what he can do in the, in the last last game. Um, you still have Royce coming off the bench, giving you whatever you need from him. Klax and Dayron and are formidable one-two center punch. I think the one thing you're missing, Pete, and I've I've said this like ever since we got rid of all our superstars, the one thing you're missing is a legitimate four that can come in that can take a few of Dorian Finney-Smith's minutes, sort of like what Maxi Kleber used to give to Dallas, that's the kind of guy I would love, a Kelly O'Linick type, right? Mo Wagner, mm-hmm. I'd love that type of player in Brooklyn.
1: Yeah, uh, I don't think CJ's a real four, to be honest. I, I, I don't know. I feel a little mad on, on CJ. I'm not sure why. But if he could take that step, though, listen,
0: I think it's because of what I talked about. Do you, do you love C.J. John's C., uh, Cameron Johnson shot selection? No,
1: I do not. And I don't. I like that he's a corners guy because it helps the gravity per se. But I think with the contract and what we've put into him, you know, the stock per se of being a franchise guy, he needs to do a little bit more. And maybe he will. We'll see what happens. But uh, he's going to be given every opportunity. And man, we come to the trade deadline and it's like, man, if you have to put CJ in a deal, I don't think I'm holding, I'm like holding back at this point. If a team likes him and we can get a star, he would be one of the, unfortunately be one of the first guys out for me.
0: Not hundred percent. Him, Royce, Dorian Finney-Smith, any combo of those two out of three, I think everyone else, you know, from Clax to, well, Spencer's not untouchable, but you're either going to keep him or Ben. You're not going to, move both you're not going to keep both. i don't think actually you'll probably Mm -hmm. keep both um last thing i'll say uh trend in watford appreciation shout out shout out shout out he's been he's been consistent probably outside of lonnie walker the most consistent guy off her bench all right pete that does it for this week's episode of fireside nets with spen and pete for everyone listening if you're interested in sponsoring the show Please reach out to my personal Twitter, at Spen Harris. Reach out to at Fireside Nets. Reach out to at Nets fans you know. Any three of our Twitters, our Instagrams, let us know if you're interested in sponsoring Fireside Nets, and we will gladly talk about sponsorship packages with you for the podcast. Pete, any final words for the listeners?
1: Uh, Just follow me, at Nets fans you know. You have my podcast, The Only Nets Fans You Know. Check it out on YouTube. I've been slacking with the episodes, but it's okay. Fireside needs all the way yet. And uh, that's it. Let's go, Nets.